Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. Welcome to your life's work podcast. I am your official official. Means absolutely nothing. <laughs> How are you? How you doing? Are you happy? I missed a couple weeks on the podcast due to, uh, well, who the hell cares why I missed it? I missed it. Uh, I hope you're uh, having a good time. Today we're talking uh, about family. I've entitled it, My Family's Better Than Yours. And why wouldn't I title that? I mean, seriously, uh, I'm going to give you three concrete, really wonderful, solid ways on how to keep everybody on track or to measure the track or to set goals to get on damn track. Um, and it all stems off of an American Idol uh, uh, show that I saw, to be honest with you. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm an American Idol freak. Those of you who know me know that. I love the American Idol, and it's back on, thank God, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Just a couple upcoming things. Uh, For those of you who saw my Instagram and Facebook posts about the book Year, written by yours truly, I think you're going to love this thing, man. I think, um, I really do. I have, it's not that I have high hopes or big, big, huge expectations for it. I just think it's going to be a really cool thing to own or to have or to touch or to be able to read through. It's not a regular book. What? Do you mean? Well, you know, when I wrote Starving Jesus, my first book in mid to like 2005, whatever, whenever I did that, it was, you know, it was like a normal chapter book, right? It had nine chapters, had a story, uh, each chapter, you know, told, taught a little lesson, story, thing, deal, and then off to the printer it went, publisher, and, and boom, it came out. This thing is not chapter, it's not, it's not like nine chapters, it's 365 pages. It is based on my year in 2017 where I really put myself to the burner to uh, contemplate, study, meditate, um, and really dive deep into my own spiritual transformation. So right there, some of you are like, (laughs) what the hell are you talking about? Um, It just, I just did, I was very intentional about a deep dive inside of me. Like what, what was going on inside of me? And it's not the first time that I've done that. It's not the first exercise, it's first spiritual transformation exercise that I've done. Uh, but it's certainly the first time that I really like penned paper and really made a, a movement every day to explore um, a subject matter, if you will, and then write something about it. And in my case, it came out as sentences or brief sayings. Um, where I posted on Instagram or Facebook or, or a myriad of other places, the Hebrew word for these this kind of action is logion. And um, for those of you familiar with the Gospel of Thomas, um, which is not a sanctioned uh, book of the Bible, by the way, just thought I'd recognize that. <laughs> but if you haven't read the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Thomas was found many, 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 many years ago, um, some little remote part of Egypt, um, and is basically... A hundred or so uh, of the sayings uh, of Jesus and login is what they call it. They're logins. Uh, you know, it would be like, uh, you know, love your enemies would be like a saying. So for me, I really didn't understand that that's what I was doing in 2017. I was just basically just putting my nose to the grindstone and saying, yo, every morning you're going to have, you're going to encapsulate yourself in some kind of study, um, dealing with the heart, dealing with the soul, dealing with the spirit in the Jesus camp, if you will. Although there are plenty of times where I was in the Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, Jew camp, Jewish camp, um, and, uh, you know, for whatever various studies. So, uh, but the framework basically would, would come out of what we consider to be um, the gospels today, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, 
But the exercise also went other places was what I'm trying to say. And so every single day I really, uh, you know, made a, a, well, I made the effort every single day for 365 days to put pen to paper and do that. It was a hell of a commitment on my end, because if you know me, I I can tend to be super ADD. And I thought, truthfully inside of me, I I wanted to owe it to me. I wanted to do something that would be mine. So I did not expect this to be uh, published. I did not expect this to be out there. I thought this would be fun for me or, or exploratory for me. And then, you know, I would pop it out on, in, you know, on, on social media and just call it a day and move on like a little side project. But the more and more I did it and the more and more I shared what was going on with me, the more I developed this little weird audience out there in the social that was asking me questions about the things I was I was posting that was writing me and telling me about their own experience with the things that I was writing. And at the end of the year, I had somebody look at it and edit it uh, a little bit and um, give me kind of a, you know, a a second set of eyeballs on it. Um, And uh, one of the couple of the sentences back to me was that, that it it was, um, it was moving in the essence of helping them uh, with their own faith, their own journey, their own inner understanding, their own kind of transformation, if you will. Um, it's not life-shattering stuff. It's not, uh, you know, uh, you know, you'll get naked, set yourself on fire, run down the middle of the street kind of stuff. Um, but I think it is good contemplation, meditation, and prayer, and, and the insertion of like ideas into spirit, an evolution of faith, if you will. So that's coming. That's coming. It's uh, we are almost done with the design. In fact, the, the design, quote unquote, is done. Now it's just a matter of um, getting getting off to the printer and and and, and hopefully g- generating some interest once we get the books back. But uh, they'll be out there. Look for it on the website. Uh, I'll do some kind of pre-sale kind of a deal. I have no idea how much to charge for this thing. Um, uh, we're not, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, books aren't the methodology to getting rich, you know, so that's certainly not how we're meeting this project. We're meeting this project by it's just really a cool thing that I think uh, – um, has happened in 2017. And my very best friend and dear friend, Rob Supan, uh, who's uh, a designer who, if you need to know him, um, it's Rob at supans.com, I think. I don't know what the hell it is. It hit, hit me and, and we can get you hooked up. If you need design, any kind of design, he can take care of it, but he designed it. It's fabulous. Along with his daughter, um, Jordan, uh, they both put their eyes on it. So, so appreciative. I, I really do like where we have gone with it. It, it this has become an, a, we project, not just an I project and a, we project. It's like my wife had in on this, a guy named Greg Vandegrift had in, uh, in, in on this, as far as the editing is concerned throughout the year. Um, my dear friend, Michelle in Florida had a heavy influence on it. Uh, as not only did she see me write it every day, but also had it on it. So it's a we and Rob and Jordan, and there's a whole host of other people. So it's a we project, and I just I can't wait to kick it out to you, um, and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, there's also another workshop coming up that I'm going to do. Uh, it's going to be completely online. Uh, I think we're going to zoom it, zoom, zoom, zoom it. Um, so be looking for that. And then one of the the other big news is that we're starting up a live show again. So for those of you who have known me from since maybe, well, if you've known me for maybe uh, 10 years at this point, you'll know that 10 years ago, we had a live internet show that we were doing once a week uh, when I was living in Akron, Ohio, uh, brought to you by the John Powell Rehabilitation Center. And um, we're going to start the live show up again. We think we're going to start the live show up in a month. 
Um, but the live show will be probably a couple times a week. We'll probably go a half hour, 45 minutes, and we'll probably Facebook and wherever the hell else live uh, people do things. Um, but we'll probably start it on Facebook and probably our own URL, like it'll be on jeremy.com at some, at some level. Uh, but Facebook generally be where it is. We'll let you know when, we'll let you know how. It, the live show is going to be a, a call-in show. So it'll be a, a call-in show, and it'll be like kind of ask the spiritual director, ask JR stuff, career, spiritual, life. I've got kids. I've got this wife. I've got this husband. I've got somebody battling addiction. What do I? What do I do? And so it'll be a call and show like that, and and I'll answer everybody's question. Um, it's not that I'm a guru. It's not that I know everything. That's not it. I'm fi- it, like here's it. Ready? I'm 51 with a myriad of life experiences that get me to this place where I'm comfortable enough in my own skin where, like. I'm ready to face-to-face with anybody uh, on life seasons. And so that's why I'm a spiritual director. That's why I'm a mentor. That's why I'm a coach, a chief people officer uh, for companies out there that need to improve culture. So that's what I do. If you need me, I'm jr at jrman.com. That's M-A-H-O-N. There's a number on the website. There's a number on all my social. You call me. I answer just before this podcast. Boom, I had a text. I stopped the damn podcast and texted somebody back. So I take that stuff very seriously. Um, If you want to work with me, uh, I have hourly session rates. I have monthly rates. I have yearly rates. Uh, I don't... I mean, call me and we'll, and, and we'll see. If, you, if you're in season of something, whatever it is, career, spirit, just regular life stuff, family-ish, uh, call me. And, and, and again, I'm at, a, I'm at a spot in my life where the experiences of my life um, have really led me to be super, super comfortable, um, not only with who I am, but um, you know, how I engage face-to-face. And uh, also, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor, um, and I've, I've just done a bunch of stuff in this season of my life, man. I really am making intentional about you. So hi, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I hope you're in for it. Okay, my family's better than yours. So, you know, in my family, so I, first I want to tell you this story. I'm watching American Idol the other night. Uh, and by the way, on the podcast, we, we, go, uh, we go 30 minutes, just so everybody knows. And I'm setting the time right now so I can see it. Hold, please, while the time is set. There it is. So um, I, I'm watching American Idol, and here comes an adoptive family. There are, there are four biologicals and four adopted kids. One of them is trying out for American Idol. She gets to Hollywood. That's really not the story. But in the package of this girl's story, she says, yeah, I'm part of four biological kids, and then my parents, uh, mom and dad here, they adopted four... I'm from Ghana or something like that, which is fantastic. Good for them. Like, if you know my story, I have three adopted kids. We got them all at once. Same mom, different dads. Seven, three, one and a half when we got them. All, all, all overnight. So right away, like, I can, my wife and I are identifying with this family. Like, you get four kids all at once, and then you have four other kids. Like, that's eight kids. Eight kids. For those of you who have one, you understand uh, what what this sounds like. For those of you who have seven, eight, you get it. So, um, but then came this part where she, where the, the the package, you know, took a turn. You know, the story of this woman took the story of this person, uh, you know, uh, uh, auditioning. She says, about a year ago, my mom got distant and left the family, and 
uh, I was l- literally immediately heartbroken because I understand the kind of pressure uh, that life chucks at you, not only when you have kids, but when you have adopted kids and then you have that many kids. And I can see how from the top down, mom and dad can get super, super stressed. And without you know, tools and without proper forms of exhaust in your life, things can get nutty real quick. I don't know their story. I don't know the ins and the out, the ebb and the flow, the he said, she said. I don't know that. I was just caught by the heartbreak of a family that uh, was no doubt in on doing something magnificent, not only for the four biologicals, but for the four adopted kids, just magnificent in its life-giving essence. And so in my house... There's three kids that are wonderful, wonderful kids. They're all teenagers now. They all got their individual uh, uh, situations from their uh, birth mom, their birth families. When I tell you that it, it, is, a, it is, a horrif- is a horrifying story, it is th- that word's not enough. The things that happened to my children before I got them were criminal, were abusive, and were a literal hell. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to be dramatic. Uh, if you want to know the story, you can call me and I'll tell you. Um, and I've talked about it on this podcast from time to time. And my daughter on my other podcast, uh, White Dad, Black Daughter, um, has talked about it as well. So our story's out there to say that I understand these pressures, these buildups, these points of where you don't talk about things that are going on in your life that can F you up like in a minute and send the world into an explosion. So here are three things that can be guideposts, that can be uh, the start of putting people back on the tracks, um, and just good, healthy understanding. So it, it's, it's just three things. And these are three things that we've kind of adopted into, into, into our own lives. So, you know, the first one is no one person stops the family. No one person in family stops the family. So, you know, we realized quickly early on, my wife Diane and I realized that with three kids with massive abuse situations, that at any given point in our day, in our week, in our month, in our time with these children, that one of them had the real capability of just really putting the brakes on the family. When I say stopping the family, I mean so much energy that's coming out of one person for a myriad of reasons can stop the growth potential of the others. And again, it's not something that I'm saying we need to be selfish about because when one person stops in the family, you got to jump all in and that's number two. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But what I mean is you're, you're paying attention to where the attention is or isn't. And you're paying attention to whether it has health or whether it has manipulation, or whether it has selfishness, or whether it has love, does it have the does it have humility? Like, what are the activities that are surrounding you and stopping you doing? And what what is the actual stoppage? So the way this became a kind of a rule in our family, a rule or a motto, a mantra, if you will, was really the the understanding that a behavior could not be checked. And behaviors in your family need to be checked. If, if, if somebody's acting disobedient, you need to check it. You, you, you don't appease it. 
You don't appease it until the next time it happens, then you appease it again. Because if you do that, you get into cycle. And the cycle becomes, if I flip out, you appease me, and I can flip out again, and you'll appease me again. So that becomes the, the, the no stoppage rule. So we had one of my children had a real problem with transitioning from one place to another, from one time to another, from lunch to playtime from from playtime nap time uh hey we're gonna go out to dinner we're gonna get in the car and go and it became a real like it became so um the behaviors became so incredibly um stopping to the family that you would have to like you know like five days before you went out to dinner, you would have to like lead this one child up to that fifth day in order to get in the car and go. In other words, you couldn't be spontaneous. You couldn't be in flux. You couldn't expect that the transition would happen smoothly. So part of that's abuse. Part of that's attachment disorder. Part of that's, you know, whatever that that is. But the other part is, is yes, having an expectation that all of us are going to move together, regardless of the meltdown, the joy, the sorrow, the, the sometimes hatred, regardless of the emotion, we're still going to move together and deal with it as we move. It's not a force. There's a difference. There's a difference. Like we're not forcing. We're not forcing things down throats. That's not what we're doing. We're putting it out there that we are a unit, we are a family, and we must move together regardless of how atmospheric any one emotion can or cannot be. So again, there's health in here. If you're forcing people to move in your life, if you're convincing to move people in your life, not, not healthy. If you are deliberately helping people understand that moving forward in your family looks like you not um, stopping the family because of a selfish desire, that's okay. And some of those conversations can obviously be higher leveled, if you know what I'm saying. Some of those conversations in my house can go right to the ceiling and stay to the ceiling for several minutes before everybody starts to calm and cool and the forward moving starts again. So this doesn't apply to sickness for the record. Like it doesn't apply to sickness. You know, it doesn't apply to certain mental illness, obviously. It doesn't apply to certain genetic um, dysfunction, obviously. This applies to just good old-fashioned common sense. No one person can stop the family. Um, a lot of times uh, I see parents, um, and again, this may be a, a parental philosophy, but it's just a philosophy that works for us. Like there is the age where if you asked your kid what you wanted at the restaurant, there was going to be a half hour decision making because the kid was four. Right. So at that point, it becomes the idea that, hey, I'm going to tell you what you're going to eat <laughs> because maybe that kind of choice is just a little too uh, big and, and cognitive for you. So that's what I'm talking about. No one person stops a family. It's common sense. It needs a discussion. Sometimes those discussions will go to the ceiling, but once you have those conversations, the idea is that you're all moving forward together. You're all moving forward together. And I say that with all due respect to everybody, my situation may be different than yours, given the fact that I adopted kids, that I did not know them, why one was seven when, when they came in here. And obviously we had differences in family. <laughs> we had big differences. So I say that with all due respect. Um, that your moving forward or your stoppage might look a little bit different than mine, but there's just the general principle. No one person stops a family. Number two, everyone rallies for one another. Everyone rallies 
for one another. Now, I want to go to Galatians 6 real quick, and this is the Bible, so nobody have a heart attack. This is Galatians 6. This is the message version. It's the version that just is understandable. Um, Galatians 6 says, live creatively. If someone falls into misgiving or sin, forgivingly restore them, saving your critical comments for yourself. Now, sin, again, and I keep going back to everybody, this is not behavioral modification. Sin is without God. That's how that goes. You're, you're, you're moving away from energy, away from source, away from love, away from like, you know, life, and you're moving more into a selfish kind of living. So it says, live creatively. It says, if someone falls in sin, forgive, forgivingly restore them, saving your critical comments for yourself. Save that crap for you. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. <laughs> so this is wonderful, right? Don't be pointing at somebody's garbage because guess what, man? <laughs> if you're pointing at somebody's garbage unforgivingly, you're probably going to need a little forgiveness by the end of the day, right? Easy stuff, easy stuff. Um, it says, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete... Jesus' law, and Jesus' law is love for the record. Like you hear about Christ's law, it's love. This is not a hardened, pressed, punch you up against the wall if you don't believe what I believe. It's, that's, that's stupid. It says, if you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived, right? That's really fantastic. Like if you think you're too good, man, and that your shit doesn't stink, you are so deceived. And I'm making all these I'm, making, I'm reading this Galatians because I want you to put it into your family. I want this to be part of your family, you and your wife, you and your husband, you and your kids, your kids to you, your kids to you. Uh, make a careful exploration, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, mom, dad, son, daughter, daughter, son, husband, wife, like, right? And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. <laughs> don't be impressed with yourself. Don't you love the Bible sometimes? It's really awesome. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure you have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity. This is so great for your family. Be, be, make sure that you've been trained in a self-sufficiency in maturity. In other words, you're mature enough that you can take care of yourself, but yet still understand forgiveness and that you're not king shit and that you're not the greatest and that you function in a world that needs empathy and you function in a world that you're just like everybody else and you function in a world that they cry and bleed just like you. This is really great stuff, but at the same time, you can take care of self. This is all your family. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. So they're saying, yo, you're not going to make a fool of God. You're saying God loves you. You're not going to go the other way. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, harvests a crop of weeds, right? Listen, if you're driving in your family selfishly right now, whether you're mom or dad, whether you're, you're, you're a kid, whether you're a your cousin, you're a grandpa, if you're driving selfishly in that community, you're going to harvest garbage, all he'll have, and then it goes on to say, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. That's all you'll have. You won't have any of that, that, that wonderful spring of forgiveness and love. But the one who plants in response to God, talking about love, letting God's spirit do the growth and work in him, harvests a crop for real life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good, right? Don't, don't fatigue out. Like, you know, don't because you, it's, gonna, it's hard. 
And at the time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit right now. Right now, therefore, every time we get a chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Let us work for the benefit of all, which goes back to no one stops the family. Not one person's going to stop the family, starting with the people closest to us in our community of faith, which is our family. That's great. That's Galatians 6 for those of you playing at home or have a Bible that you want to flip open later and dust it off. Everyone rallies for one another. Number two, everyone rallies for one another. Rally for each other. Don't just do you. Don't just selfishly endeavor all day long. Look at the people in your life, regardless of what's going on with them, in your family, and rally for them. You don't get to be a cheerleader. You can be a rally. There's a difference between a cheerleader and somebody who's rallying. Somebody who's rallying is going to be in it with you and not just on the sidelines. Somebody who's rallying is going to sweat with you. Somebody who's rallying might disagree with you. Somebody who's rallying might be that person that just simply you like can't wait to hear mentored strength from. Number three, you must learn to let go and while you do talk. You must learn to let go and while you do talk about it. My wife's got this great story about her mom. Her mom passed last August, a very sad situation, very sorrowful situation. And we we're up one night talking and she was like, man, I, I don't really remember my mom, like, you know, like not letting me be the person who I am. Like her mom, like questioning who she was or why are you like that? She says, I just remember my mom letting me be me, being able to let go. And she says, man, if I could ask her, I would want to know that. Like, I would want to know, like, how did you do that? How did you just simply let go and allow me to be me? Because we have three kids and there's every day there's this control push to lead them down this path, that path, go that way, this way, this fast, that slow. Like it's so there's a lot of control that we have based on their past that it's just hard to let go of. She's like, man, I wish I could talk to my mom. I wish I could ask my mom like what that strength was where she could just let go and let things happen. Letting go, for the record, is the understanding of who you are and the humility then at that point. Letting go is the understanding of who you are and the humility to allow that in your life. So there are certain characteristics about me that I must recognize and be aware and conscious of. And then at that point, I need to be freaking aware of it and then humble in its understanding. Like I don't do anger well. If you know me, you know I'm prone to it. I'm quick, quick, quick to get to anger right? And I need to know that about myself and have a humble and a humility about that because that can jack crap up in my life like you wouldn't believe. So it, as I really embrace that with the humility, that helps me let go of all the crazy expectations that I have that usually get me angry. So you see where I'm vibing? Now the second half of that is you'll have to talk. You got to talk. You, as you let go in your family, and I'm talking moms, dads, I'm talking kids to dads, dad, kids to moms, I'm talking the whole unit. As you let go of one another's crazy or as you let go of one another's ability to be themselves or as you let go of one another as they make mistakes or make great choices, as you let go of that, you need to talk about it. I want to let go of this because. I can't let go of this because. I don't want to let go of that because. Think about your kids real quick, moms and dads. What's that one behavior that you're just fighting like mad to control, to sit on, to put away, to never see the light of day again because you're so damn afraid that something's going to happen. They're going to wind up a drug addict. They're going to wind up pregnant. They're going to wind up unsuccessful. They're going to wind up not being able to make money. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be not like me. 
What is that one thing? And then talk through that on how to let go of that by understanding what's happening inside of you, the fear, the expectation, the anger, the sorrow, the joy, whatever it is that's firing that response. You must learn to let go and while you do talk. And of course, coupled with all these three is the idea that I so wish upon everybody um, a greater understanding of God's presence in your life as you walk through this. So every now and then, yes, obviously, include God and throw up a prayer. Um, good people, those are my three. No one person stops the family. No one person stops the family. And there's an essence there. There's just a just quick understanding that selfishness is not going to be the bus that we're driving in, right? Number two, everyone rallies for one another. Everybody understands we cry alike, we bleed alike. That's just how it goes. And we're rallying for one another. And when you rally, you sweat with that person. When you rally, you're in it with that person. You're not cheerleading. You're not cheerleading. Number three, you must learn to let go. And while you do, you talk through it. Let those be your gauge, my brothers and sisters. Let that be your gauge. I so thank you for allowing me back into your head, back into your ears, back into your life. Uh, if you need me, I'm JR, jrman.com. It's J-R-M-A-H-O-N. Again, I do hourly rates. I do monthly rates. I do a yearly rates. Uh, sessions are, are usually an hour. I can phone. I can Skype. I can face-to-face. I can text. You know, there's counselors and therapists out there that text. I text. I text with a bunch of people. I do that, too. Look at me. Look at me. I t- I'll Snapchat. I'll Instagram. I'll do whatever. Um, love you all very much. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about something freaking awesomely great. I have no idea what it is, but we'll, we'll get there. Until then, peace, my good people. Peace.